Hey friends, welcome to It's All Happening with Amanda, a weekly podcast that dives deep into your favorite reality TV shows. With help from my special guests, we break down the most shocking, controversial, and heartfelt moments from Bravo and beyond. In the words of Aviva Drescher, I say what I mean, but I never say it mean. Grab a fancy AF cocktail and get ready for me to mention it all. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of It's All Happening with Amanda. As always, I am super excited for my guest this week. I have with me Derek Pence, also known as Zenobia Darling. Derek is a theater kid, a writer for Champagne and Shade, which is a housewife's gossip blog. You should go check it out. A drag performer, and most importantly to me, a self-proclaimed pump head. Derek, thank you so much for being here with me today to talk all about Bravo. Oh, I love it. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Any chance I get to talk about these monsters and talk about the housewives <laughs> and all that stuff, just it makes my blood like just pump. So I love it. I first heard you talk about your love of Vanderpump rules on my friend Mandy's podcast, Is This Real Life? And you talked about your thesis that you wrote all about Vanderpump rules when you were at Towson University, which to me is so funny because Towson is just like right down the street from me. So it's weird how we make these connections on Instagram and realize that we're even closer than than we realized. I know it's like, and Maryland has like, in Maryland DMV, DC has this like connect, like this click of like Bravo podcasters and whatnot that like, I think rivals like LA and everything. I'm like, I think that's pretty cool. And I'm like, we're all like fun DMV people and I love it. Yes. So. It, it makes it so much better that we have our little Potomac show that we all yes. can kind of relate to in so many ways. And we see them eating out at our favorite restaurants and then mm-hmm. we see them going to places that we've been before. And like Wendy teaching at Hopkins, we all know, you know, about Johns Hopkins University, other people oh, don't yeah. know. So it's kind of like we have our own little inside jokes when we're watching Potomac. So I think that's what brings us all together. Oh yeah. Like I know when I was on Mandy's podcast, it was the episode where Giselle went with uh, Juan to pick out the ring in Ellicott City. And I'm sitting there looking at, I'm like, I know exactly where that's at. My sister gets her hair done there right across the street. I recognize the forest across there. And then I'm like, Giselle drove like an hour up 29 to get there. I'm like, and then it's sitting there. I'm like little things like that, that I'm like only someone from here would get. And how much of a nightmare 29 is, so. I know, and it's funny because I always think about how far they have to drive to go places. I can't, I can't stop myself. I'm sure people that are based in LA think the same thing about Vanderpump Rules when they watch it, or they think that about Beverly Hills and they think about the traffic on the highway because they always talk about traffic, but it's something I can't control. And I'm like, why would they pick that random restaurant that's so far from where I know that they live? It's like the things I can't, I can't stop myself from going there when I watch Potomac. Oh, yeah. Or they'll go places in DC and I'm like, that is not a known area. Like no one goes there at night. Like, why are they there? Yeah, it's always so random. Even just the idea of Potomac not filming in Potomac in the beginning, I think made it more difficult because it didn't seem as realistic. But now that they've started kind of actually being in Potomac, it makes it seem a little bit more oh, like, yeah. like realistic in that way. Um, but I loved listening to you on Is This Real Life? Because I loved hearing you talk about your decision to write your thesis at Towson about Vanderpump Rules. And then you were kind enough to share your thesis with me. And I I truly loved it. I felt like you were speaking into my soul when you were describing kind of this journey from just being a casual viewer to then being so obsessed with the Vanderpump Rules show. And it made me wonder, did you binge watch it? Or was this a description of the journey that you took while it was airing in real time? So I had always watched Vanderpump Rules from the beginning like that, I remember the episode specifically where Jax ripped that sweater off and the fight in the Vegas parking lot. I remember watching that and being like, these people are nuts. And I'm like, I cannot get enough. And I've always watched The Housewives. I was a huge Kathy Griffin person. Like she's like my idol. So I always watched D-List. And then I just went right into uh, Real Housewives New York City was the first Housewives I watched. And then it just kind of followed in. And I always watched them being like, there's more to this than what is at surface. I'm like, there's more like societal context to it. And I started listening to Laura Marie Shaneholz podcast up 
and going, and I started going to Towson for theater. And I'm in my script analysis class talking about the importance of being in earnest. And I kept connecting these things. I'm like, this feels very housewivesy. I'm like, when Laura, when uh, Gwendolyn, Cecily, and the importance of being in earnest are fighting about the diaries, like out there at tea, it's so housewives. And I kept saying that. And to go like two years later, my last semester, I had my thesis. I had the same professor for script analysis that I had for thesis. And I pitched that again. And he was like, he started watching and he's like, you're onto something. So I went back and rewatched the whole season, the whole, the whole series. And then I watched all of uh, Beverly Hills because I want to get like the season two spinoff and all like the backstory of it. And then it just kind of just worked itself out listening to like I joined Laura's Patreon. So like I got to listen to all her, like her described the earlier episodes and I just kept building and building. And then I have the thesis. So, and then my book coming out, um, it comes out March 8th, hashtag rockstar life. In that book, it's my diary of Zenobia Darling. And you actually see me like doing the research for it. I'm making the connections in my book. So it's very Vanderpump in the book. It's almost like, Laura and the book are, or Laura and Vanderpump Rules are in like a characters in the, my book, which is pretty interesting. So that's so cool. So did you talk to her before you wrote your thesis and kind of, cause you referenced her and the Sexy Unique podcast a couple of times in your thesis. So were you communicating with her while you were writing it? Um, I've never actually met her. I kind of, um, I kind of will write into her occasionally and like she has read my letters of, and I know. I know she knows of me because we've messaged back and forth on social media before and Carrie too. Um, I love them. So, you know, I think she gets it that I'm a fan she gets it that like, you know, I'm a pump head and we're on the same wavelength and we have the same birthday, which I kind of think is a weird synchronicity between the two of us. So I'm like, great minds think alike, two wild Geminis, it's perfect. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. The birthday thing, I've always felt that when two people have the same birthday, like Ariana and Stassi, I don't like yes. Stassi, I love Ariana, but I can see they have like similar boss energy in a way and I yes. think that's why they clashed so much my birthday twin is Faye Resnick so I don't know Ooh, I says. love Faye though I wish she was a housewife so bad like I will never forget Camille going oh is that the is that the morally corrupt Faye Resnick just I uh so that classic. is pernicious I always because I'm like a, such a writer that when people use words like that I'm like uh so I, I say everything's pernicious because of her and I just saw where she branded that I'm like okay she's such a trip there's nothing like the early days of Beverly Hills I miss those days oh, I need them back I saw someone oh man I wish I could credit them but I was just kind of scrolling through Instagram and someone was doing like an ask me anything thing and they said today like that Erica Jane and Dorit like ever since they joined Beverly Hills it's gone downhill I'm like I don't know if I would blame them but it definitely has a different vibe than it did I think it's Kyle I think it's 100% Kyle. But she's always been there. So do you think she's changed or she's yeah. just ruined it? I think she's more guarded. And she's the one that initially started um, being guarded and not showing everything on camera, which then when Erica came on, she kind of saw that and she was completely guarded. Because Erica's, I love Erica. Like she is a drag queen, but she gives us nothing. And I think that's part of it. And I, it was Kyle. I, I've never really liked Kyle. I only like Kyle um, when she fights with Kim. So, you know, and I think once Kim left and they got into that huge Amsterdam fight with Lisa Renna, I think that's when she got way more guarded because she's the one, like she, her husband was getting sued and she wasn't airing any of that stuff on camera, being very guarded, not talking about anything going on with Nikki Hilton, you know, her niece uh, during the whole marriage. And I think she's the one that started it. I think she... She's part of the problem why Beverly Hills has been sucking lately. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And even when they do air things on Beverly Hills or call each other out, they do it in such a way that just builds it up so much. It it, it almost makes people defensive and not want to just come forward. Whereas not to always play the comparison game, but on Potomac, they'll just say things like, well, this is, this is what's happening in your life. I'm just going to call it out. And people have no choice, but to just face it, you know, it's just such a yeah. stark contrast, but um, I really liked reading in your thesis, how you referenced the earlier days in Beverly Hills. Cause it took me back. I'm not even a huge Lisa Vanderpump fan, but just remembering those days with Cedric and the issues with Brandy Glanville, it just kind of reminded me of those early days that I'm so longing for. And I, I wish I could oh, yes. get back to them. 
So one of the things, one of the things that you wrote in your thesis, I'm just going to read this quote because I felt like it, it just spoke so much to me. You connect with the show and feel emotions about yourself with how the show is unfolding on your screen. And I feel like people can watch these shows as background noise and that's totally fine. They don't have to get super invested, but that's not how I watch TV. And it sounds like you're really similar. And I think because you are a writer, you're probably also a big reader and I like to read and I like to watch these shows as if I'm in a book club, you know, actually making connections to the characters and the connections to the drama and the plot and actually thinking and having these intelligent conversations. So when I read your thesis, I'm like, this is someone who I feel like we could talk about. We could talk about these shows all the time because we're on that same kind of analysis playing field. Oh yeah. Well, I, um, I have my own fair share of like mental health issues. Like I'm in recovery from eating disorder. I have post-traumatic stress disorder and whatnot. And I have a, a level of Vanderpump rules energy, like, cause you know, I'm a drag queen. So I drink, I go out and party. And the more I was watching, like, especially James Kennedy and Kristen Doty, when I watch them, I see so much of myself in them. And I remember there was a distinctive point. Um, it was like last December when I was starting to do the research, I got to season three and I was like, I'm too much like them. And I just kept thinking like, I don't want to be them. And I want to like really work on my shit, really like, you know, use the catharsis from this show because that's what these shows do. If you see yourself, I don't want to be like them. And I, I kind of used it as a way to like really heal myself, which I think is pretty profound. I think it's something that people watch these shows, they label them as like trashy reality shows, but I'm like, there's more context to them. And if you really watch them, you can learn about a lot about yourself and just society as a whole with them. So. Yeah. That is like such a beautiful statement to me because I, I feel like not only can people learn about themselves when they are on reality shows, but like you said, we can learn from these people, not just for our future choices and our future actions. It's more about being able to analyze things that happened to us in our past. Like there are people who I feel like I can't get over some of the actions that they're taking on the screen. And my friend Chelsea from Ono Bravo pointed out, she feels like sometimes, I love that podcast. <laughs> oh my God, she's the best. She's so honest. Good. She's so funny. And she, she's, she's just so insightful, but she said, because I resonated so strongly with this person and their past that they were so triggering to me because they were operating in either a way that I operated that I didn't, that I've learned from, you know, my mistakes, or it's so triggering because it reminds me of things I've done in my past and I'm not ready to analyze it. And it really had me thinking about someone like Jen Shaw. And I know we'll get into Salt Lake city, but just thinking about Jen Shaw and her actions, it's like, she makes me so upset, but I've been Jen, like I've been in her position. And so for Mm -hmm. you looking at James and Kristen, it's like reminding you of things you've went through and you really have to work through that shit. Like when you see it on the screen. I mean, it, it, it triggers you. You bring, it brings up shame. I'm like, oh my God. Cause I mean, I have been wasted at drag shows, making a fool of myself, just like James Kennedy has when he's DJing and I'm sitting there watching him and I'm like, I've been that. I'm like, that is horrific and just trying to process all the emotions and the shame around it I'm like you know and I was in a toxic relationship in like my early 20s that was similar to that and it kind of ended in a very like way that they ended their relationship like just a nasty fight and I just I was watching that and it was like I'm cringing but then it kind of like opened up this thing for like greater healing and I kept looking at Jax and I'm like he's 40 he doesn't have any emotional intelligence He's never going to work on his shit. I'm like, he's 40 acting like he's 21, still drinking, partying, being a sociopath that he is. And I don't want to be that. I do not want to be that emotionally stagnant, just going through life like that. Like I want to grow and be like a more fully evolved human. So, and I can thank Vanderpump Rules, like as much as anyone can dog that show, it was that show that, that really helped get me to that different level of healing and becoming a better human. So... Well, thank you for sharing that. I know it's probably hard to, you know, kind of go back into your mind and think about those experiences, but it sounds like you've come a long way. So thank you for sharing that. I love to see the growth in someone like James. It's real growth 
I love to see the growth in someone like Carl and I know we'll get into Summer House, but one of the things you wrote about were most of the characters on Vanderpump Rules not really growing and comparing the characters on Vanderpump Rules to the characters in Oscar Wilde's play, the importance of being earnest. And so it was so interesting to, to read about that because it is something a little bit comforting to always know that Jax is going to be an ass. Like to just yes. every season, it's like gonna be the same thing. And to me, hearing, reading that made me think about why I like reality better than scripted shows. And I feel like it's because scripted television writers, they, they make characters change way too fast. They make their character arc happen. And I'm like, wait, so this guy was like a problematic kind of sexual assaulty storyline season one by season two, he's like a nice guy. Like, where was that character development? You don't just turn into a new person overnight. And so I feel like with the people on Vanderpump Rules, it's like they try and fail. They try and fail. They try and fail. And then eventually, if they're like James, they succeed. And that is super realistic to me. Oh, yeah. Like it takes, you know, a thousand tries to get to be perfect. And they just keep going at it. Like, you know, and James Kennedy now is so different from back then. And now I'm like, I actually really like him. I feel like he's like an actual fully formed human. Whereas like someone like Jax, I mean, he's going to be 60 doing the same bullshit. So, I mean, I can guarantee that. I mean, I saw where they were looking at houses in Kentucky and I'm like, have fun with that because you're going to do the same thing in Kentucky that you have been doing in LA for the past 12 years. So, you know. Oh, Jax Taylor. I'm, I can, Uh, I I hate him. (laughs) It's like, we can simultaneously hate him and appreciate him for what he did give us, which is years of entertainment, but his time is up. He's retired. as Charlie says. (laughs) And there comes a point where it's like, do we really want to see, see those monsters not grow? Cause it gets boring and stale after, you know, eight seasons. I'm like, okay, bye. So, and I'm, I'm one because I view this as theater that I always really like the really horrible monsters on the show. Like I, you know, like people can send me hate, but like I love Kelly Dodd for the fact that she is so problematic. I feel like we as a society can learn so much from those people. Like I love Ramona for that same reason, because it's like we can watch this stuff. And even though it's triggering and problematic, if you put it in the right context and use it like. Because Lady Bracknell, if she was alive today and from the main character important to be in earnest, she would be canceled because she's that horrible. I mean, she is like Kelly Dodd and like Ramona. And it's, you know, so I think we're still trying to find our place with these people, but, you know, it's still working itself out. Yeah, like I, I think there are people who you can hate them as a person, but then enjoy what they bring to a show if that makes sense. And so like, even if you know, like this is a horrible person and I wouldn't be friends with them and I don't support what they do, but you want to watch them on TV. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, I guess that's kind of how I feel about probably like half of the housewives. I mean, I would say half of them, I probably would be friends with them, but most of them, I probably wouldn't want to be friends with them. They're exhausting. They're exhausting. Like I, I would never be anywhere near Ramona. If I was at a restaurant and I saw her, I would leave. Cause I'm like, I want nothing to do with her, but on TV have at it. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is, there are lessons to learn from some of the people that are on the screens. I mean, obviously some people take it to a place where we, we can't come back from it, but I yeah. think there are more people that we can at least learn from and have discussions about them. I think with Kelly, she's just made so many, so many missteps, but I don't know if she's coming back. I'm not really sure what's going on with her. She's had some weird, like, I don't know if you've seen them, cryptic messages online. Oh, yes. Bravo. Oh, yes. I mean, I could see them coming back just because she, I mean, she is just, she's like a perfect housewife because she's monstrous in that way but then also it's like you're telling people not to wear masks in a pandemic and it's like that type of thing I'm like uh, the stakes are a little too high and it's a little too dangerous to be saying that but then at the same time like I have family members that say the same shit so it's kind of like how do I deal with them and I'm like looking at Kelly and I'm like uh this is this is a mess so it's just this weird complicated basket it's hard because you want Bravo to have some sort of responsibility to at least say, okay, well, we don't agree with this person's statements about this and this person's statements about this, 
but they're still paying her. So it's like, oh, like, I don't know exactly yeah, that's true. where we go from there. But speaking of a reformed, I guess, a reformed individual, I really want to talk about Carl, as I always do. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's so hot. Oh, <laughs> my God. He's so hot. Sobriety looks so good on him. I like I cannot stop staring at him at all times. He he to me, I've always liked him. So I what about you? Have you always liked Carl or is this like I've always liked him? I've always thought he was hot as fuck. I just he's from Pitt. I think he's from Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and Pittsburgh and Baltimore are very similar. So he has that like that vibe that like Baltimore vibe of guys that I like and it's just and the more he goes on I'm like he's just hot and then sobriety just like shoot him to the moon I'm like uh the things I could do to him would be just <laughs> bad <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly like I'm like everyone leave me alone I'm watching summer house like I can't be around people I literally get like hot like I'm like please stop he yeah and it's sweaty <laughs> I know he's always been likable to me even since season one, even when he was being, you know, kind of an ass or a fuck boy, I guess. But to me, like, even from the beginning, he's been such a mama's boy that it's like, you can't think he's a bad person when you see him with his mom, you know? And that's the thing. I've, I've always saw him as a nice guy, even with, he, you know, he was a fuck boy. I mean, I, this is kind of admitting too much, maybe a little too much about me, but I'm a recovering fuck boy. So I really, understand that and I understand like his whole journey so and I get where he was coming from and I like how he really is addressing his stuff and really sobering up and really trying to just be a better human and this season it's like it kicked in and his like he has like a glow about him that people that really have worked on their shit and are really like on a good path have and I think that's probably the sexiest thing about him it definitely is. I think before his, I guess, allure was the bad boy thing. And people always think they can change someone. There's something deep inside, some sort of fucked up shit that makes us attracted <laughs> to people like that. But now the allure comes from someone who has like really put the work in. And like you said, he has so much like confidence about him now. It's like he knows that he is worth it. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know, I I watched him on an Instagram live. This is so random. I tell the story all the time and I always cut it because it's so embarrassing, but I watched him on an Instagram live with um, this acupuncturist and he was talking about doing (laughs) acupuncture and how like it's helped him so much with his mental health and his physical health. And it was just like, I was in awe just watching him talking about this experience because so many people, especially I think men, like especially straight men, like don't want to be vulnerable, especially in the public eye like that. And I'm like, yes, I just love you, Carl. I just love him. And that's the thing about Summer House that I really like is because like besides Luke, I feel like they've really done a good job of addressing some of their like toxic masculinity in a way. Like, you know, even Kyle, it's like in his own way, like he really, he doesn't have it. And Carl just, he's completely just shattered that glass. And, but then you get to Luke and I'm like, what the hell's going on with that dude? But, you know, I really appreciate that. I think it's it shows more of like the growth of our society as we kind of figure out that whole masculine feminine thing so I agree and this this episode was hard to watch because well there was so much happiness with Carl seeing his mom finally get married and Sharon's like the sweetest woman alive she totally deserves it but we heard him talking about his brother and unfortunately since this episode was taped his brother did pass away and he's now you know watching this back and dealing with the trauma of having a family member experiencing addiction and I know that it would be really difficult to re-watch something like this and it seems like Carl's really set himself up to be able to handle this in in a way that's not going to make him you know have like a another downward spiral so yeah and I feel like he has the the things in place that he can watch it and he can be safe and like he can like discuss these things with his therapist and he has a whole treatment team that I feel like he can go to and say hey I'm having issues so he won't go down that spiral again which I think really shows how committed he is to his mental health and wellness yes so Um, proud of him and you know of course super hot so that's always a plus yes oh yes (laughs) so speaking of Luke I how do you how are you feeling about his whole like I just I think he's a (laughs) douchebag he's I think he is a douchebag I you know I his beard bothers me because he uses too much beard oil and it just comes across like uh like sweaty pubes on his face it just 
oh, it just that just from that from that aside, it's just I I've never liked him. It's just there's very phony about him and very like I don't know. I think I just been there, done that. That I'm like, uh, and I just like he like just smells and I, it's just not a good time. And I'm just over the love triangle. It's like you know I don't really like Hannah. There's something about her that rubs me the wrong way. I almost feel like she's more villainous than she lets on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has this like theater kid quality about her mm-hmm. that like I'm very familiar with <laughs> just being <laughs> my own theater kid. And it just like, I'm, I'm probably just seeing too much of myself in her, but then it's like, I don't know. I just, I'm over it. Like I was over the love triangle on Vanderpump Rules last season. And I'm just over it this time. I feel like it's like an, an East Coast version of that. And I'm like, can we just get it off? Like I'm good. I definitely can see the parallels where it's like, I don't really care about any of these people. So I don't care about the story of the love triangle. And that's, that's how it was with Dana. I was like, I don't know you yet. I don't really care about your, you know, love triangle. I didn't care about Max. I didn't care about Brett. In this case, I don't like Luke. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Hannah fan. I appreciate what she does on the show. And I like her and Paige's friendship. I feel like they balance each other out but not a huge fan. And then with Sierra, I don't know her yet. So I'm not super invested in that either. I mean, is she going to be cool? Probably, but I just don't know her. So I don't care. And it doesn't seem like she's really, she's like, what the hell is this? I don't even know what this is that I'm involved with. And like, she does, I feel like she's so in the blind about what happened last season between them. And she's just kind of like, oh, hey, I'm here. Let's, let's chill in the summer house party, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, wait a minute, you have all this backstory and you there's drama and it's just, it's messy, but it's like, there's no stakes in it. It's like, I don't care. Yeah, I almost feel like they asked, who can someone bring? We need more people. Well, let's bring someone who has hooked up with Luke before to create this sort of drama that they want to happen. And yeah. it's someone who he hooked up with two years ago. So it's like- yeah such old news. And then I guess they were talking last summer, but the thing is last summer, Hannah kept saying how much she didn't care about Luke talking to other girls. You know, she was like, Oh, well, we're just having fun. We're just having fun. Everyone tried to warn her. Clearly she caught feelings. It all, it happens. It happens to the best of us, but the whole like, Oh, well, how many girls were you talking to last summer? It's like, but did it didn't appear as if they were in an exclusive relationship last summer. So why do you care that they were texting last summer? Yeah. It's like, and I think they just were like, I feel like Hannah and Luke were just like, you know, they were hooking up with a little bit of attachment and it did fall, but then it's like, it never really went anywhere. I feel like Luke just is so, he just isn't in touch with any of his emotions. And he just kind of like, I, I don't think he knows what he wants because I can just tell by the way he's like morphing his look this season. I just, he doesn't know who he is. He's unsure of himself and he's trying to like figure it out. So he's being like Mary, like, oh, I'm from Minnesota. Let's be Paul Bunyan in a lumberjack, which I'm like, you know, I love Paul Bunyan is like probably one of my favorite like mystical figures, but, or like, I think that would be American folklore, but it's like, he's not doing it. I'm like, just, I don't know. He just, that's, that's another thing rubbing me the wrong way about him. He's literally always outside like building shit. And I see- it's like, what are you making? Like you're in the summer house. Are you building furniture? Like you're Amish. I'm just so confused. What is he actually doing out there? Yeah, it's like, you're not in Minnesota in the woods, building your log cabin. You're in East Hampton, you know, at like a million dollar house, just chill by the pool. Like, you know, and then he brings out his like saw and he's like, Oh, manly. I'm like, stop. Like, you know, I'm like, wash your hair, wash your beard, <laughs> shave it off and chill by the pool with everyone and drink rosé. It's like, the, stop. The funny thing is that I actually normally really like that kind of vibe. Like a min, maybe not Minnesota, but like a lumberjack. I like, I'm totally into a oh, lumberjack. Like me that's too. totally fine. But mm-hmm. he makes a lumberjack look bad. Like there's something about him that drives me crazy. And then last night, he shaved his beard and I was like, I didn't know he could look any worse because you would think if he shaved it off, cause it looked so bad that he would look good, but then he kept his hair long. And then he just kind of looked like, I don't know what it was. He looked like a nineties band, like boy band kind of. It just, I don't know. He, he doesn't have skincare and that just, <laughs> that irks me. It's like, like your face is not like, 
it needs something else. Like if you're going to be like, if you, cause when you have hair like that, you have to take care of it. You have a beard, you have to take care of it. It's a lot of work in order to look good. Cause it's like, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And he's not doing it. And so when he shaved it, I'm like, could you not put a toner on your skin? Like, <laughs> you know, or put, can you not go to Lindsay? Cause I'm sure that bitch has more makeup in her bathroom than anyone. I'm like, you couldn't go in there and say, Hey, do you powder? I'm going to be on camera or just take shampoo and wash your hair. <laughs> No, it's so depressing because he is a conventionally attractive person. I am not trying to act like he's ugly. And by the way, everybody, I, we are insulting his looks, but it's really his personality that we have a problem with and his actions. Yes, yes. But like, he is an attractive person. Most of my friends, yeah, when, they, when they first see him, they're like, ooh, what, what about Luke? You like Carl? What about Luke? And I'm like, yeah, but like, no, you know, because he doesn't he doesn't work with what he's given, which is a lot, by the way. He's a freaking model. He should be hot. Why is he not hot? I don't understand. Yeah, and it's like, if you're a model, like you take care of your skin, but it's like that, that it, to me, it just reads as he's trying to figure himself out. He doesn't know himself. So he's going to be very guarded. He's going to be kind of douchey, like trying to work it out. And I'm, it, I just, I'm over it. I don't really want to see it on TV. I'm like, go, go to Minnesota, go, you know, chop down a tree or do whatever you're doing and find yourself and then come back as a fully actualized human and then do this stuff. Cause right now it's just like, go away. <laughs> I did appreciate them showing him farting though. <laughs> that <laughs> cracks reads, me up. <laughs> he reads to me like someone who has a lot of female friends that he is attracted to. And so I think that's what it was with Hannah, where it was like, he never planned on having anything more than a friendship with her. And I honestly feel like it's the same thing with Sierra. He likes her. He likes yes. to be around her. He wants to flirt with her. He's texting her good night. He's texting her good morning, but it's not even like he's playing them. I honestly feel like he just wants to have female friends who are into him. And, and that's where I think the disconnect was with Hannah, because she's like, you're FaceTiming me every day where we have so much chemistry on the tennis court. And it's like, you can have chemistry with your friends, by the way, I have chemistry with people, but, and, and by the way, yeah. they, they weren't actually like having sex. They were like, you know, sometimes hooking up, but like having sex, it's like, that's not a relationship. That's you vibing with someone as a friend, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't. I don't, it, he just, he's so just complicated. I'm just, I so haven't figured him out yet. It's like, I'm I'm almost curious to watch it to see if I can figure him out more. But then at the same time, I'm like, do I care? Right. <laughs> I feel like he, I've, I've heard this and I have a feeling like, cause we saw it in the preview. I feel like he leaves the summer house halfway through. I feel like he's not there. Cause if you look, he's out there. I think he's the one that's like chopping wood in the middle of the fight. <laughs> I like I feel like he that. might leave well, and I'm, he was late so I'm pretty sure Steven leaves when him and Lindsay you know when that shit hits the fan which we've already started to see them like the cracks starting to come in their relationship like oh Lindsay Ugh. but <laughs> but Steven is literally like a troll like he his whole oh, I'd really love a sandwich. Like he's the most important person in the entire world. Okay, him and Jax Taylor can go to West <laughs> Hollywood and go, or go to Kentucky and do whatever they do. <laughs> yes, because Lindsay is a boss bitch. She owns her own, you know, PR thing, mm -hmm. Hubhouse. You know, she's working. I mean, I'm sure she's not working as much as normal in the summer because it's a pandemic. There's not, you know, a ton of things happening. But he acts like she has nothing better to do, but then just like fetch him a drink and a sandwich. And I'm like, dude, is this how you act when there's no cameras? Like, I know. And worse? Then, yeah, I'm like, come on. And then Lindsay is like, you know, I'm not emotionally met by him. And then you could tell she doesn't want to confront him. But then I'm like, it's building, it's building. Because that's the thing I'm waiting for. I'm like, she's going to blow like she always does. And it's going to be a glorious moment and it's going to be crazy. <laughs> I can't wait for it. I cannot wait. I can't wait for her to yell. How many sandwiches have you made for me? <laughs> like dying. Oh God. Me. I want her to throw something of his like outside, like pick like a suitcase up and just chuck it out the window. I could see her being like that. Yes. I love Lindsay. She's one of those people where I love to hate her. Like I, I see a lot of myself in her and she just, she's one of those people that really gets me that like that venomous rage in me. And I'm like, Oh, Lindsay. Oh, but then if she was gone, I don't know where that would 
be at. <laughs> right. We like, I feel like we definitely need her. She's one of the characters that I feel like needs to always be around and we need to always have her get activated over shit. Like you, you can yeah. always count on her to be pissed at somebody, but I also could see her being someone who is a really good friend. If she's happy with you, she is there. Like, I like to see when she like crawls into Danielle's bed and they just like gossip and stuff. Like, I like to see that friendship. She's always been, I mean, I know her and Carl had their little thing, but I feel like her and Carl, you can see she really cares about him and she cares about Kyle. Yeah. So I like Lindsay. I, I feel like, yeah, she's a, she's a triggering, a triggering character, but I do like her. And I, I hope she finds love because Steven is not it. Yeah. He just, and the fact that he's always working, it's like, you know, you're also on a TV show. Like I'm sure he's getting paid. So it's like, you also have invested stakes to shoot a TV show. And I don't, the one thing about me is like, this is all like allegedly, but you know, I'm around people that do drugs. I don't do drugs, but no judgment from me. And I can always spot it, but I'm ready. I want to know how that's going to play out because I'm not so far. I'm not picking up on any of that drug subtext. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely get that same vibe from the season of summer house. I could see, I just feel like all of them honestly care about each other, even with drama and things that go on that I could see them being like, you know what, for Carl, we need to, we need to, you know, do something a little bit different. They, they definitely yeah. certainly seem a little bit tamer. And I was actually going to say like for Kyle's birthday, I thought it was so cute. I thought it was going to be stupid. I thought it was going to be so dumb the way they all had their different little jobs, but I thought it was <laughs> cute the way that they took it so seriously. And it felt to me like, this is the kind of birthday that someone Kyle's age should have, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's not a blowout rager. It's not a frat house, you know, keg stand party. It was very sophisticated. I like seeing them going back because like, you know, I feel like most of them have worked in restaurants and, you know, I've worked in restaurants, so I'm familiar with it. And it was funny to see them like actually play the part. I mean, they're better servers than most of the Vanderpump people, which I think is really ironic. I'm like, I wouldn't mind, you know, going to that restaurant more than I would go to Sir. I know. Danielle is a general manager. I was like, dude, she like fucking knows what to do. She's like schmoozing yeah. with them and Carl with his little like napkin over his arm as the sommelier <laughs> with the lover boy I was like and he was so cute because he was like stuttering over his words he's like oh I'm, I'm nervous, nervous. <laughs> so, so cute and even Paige who like drives me crazy sometimes mm -hmm. like she was she was funny she's like I don't know what to do I guess I'm just gonna sit here on my phone like <laughs> well that's what Lala does so I mean <laughs> that's true. she learned from the best there but oh, yeah. I or know use the fake nails on the the pad that's what like Billy Lee and Lala they would always like do the fake scenes and they had the nails and they weren't even they would act like they're putting numbers in and their nails would touch it and then the next scene you would see sheena being like i can't work this with my nails <laughs> like just being a mess oh sheena, sheena, I, miss sheena. Vander I miss sheena i miss sheena i miss vanderpump rules i really hope that they're coming back did you see on the internet that sir is reopening Yes, I did. So what do you think? Is that a good sign for Vanderpump to come back? I think it is. I have my own thoughts of what I, I think they should have rolled this summer. I think they should have kept Stassi and Kristen on there and just kept rolling and revamped the show to be about the, them being influencers and reality stars on Vanderpump Rules. And then because Lisa's executive producer, so she still has that boss figure. It would bring in all the theatrics from early seasons. And plus, they fight about being on the show. I mean, Jack's like, it's my show. I'm not filming with you. So you always have drama that way. And just hold them all to the fire. And we've seen all the drama play out between uh, Sheena and Lala, all the stuff. It would have been probably the most compelling season and one that was very cathartic. And I think very needed right now because we would have seen you know who doesn't want to see Stassi and Kristen just get their ass handed to them and watch them squirm I was so nervous that if they didn't get fired that they wouldn't learn that we wouldn't yeah. see them actually learn and then I'd be like and they fucking paid them for this season and they're still there because yeah. because you I mean Kristen I don't really know what's going on with her I can't say I keep up with her but with Stassi it's like you still she has so many fans that are like you did nothing wrong you did absolutely Oh, nothing. I know. And then you, the Facebook group, I'm like, are you people in an alternate reality? I'm like, Faith could have been killed. Like, right. you people are nuts. It, yeah. It's wild. So that's the only reason why I'm like, 
I would like for people to see what happens to these people when they do Mm -hmm. something that offends people and dealing with their PR reps and dealing with, you know, the public and dealing with actually being fired. Like, I would love to witness a meeting with one of them and their PR agent basically telling them like, you fucked up and this is what you absolutely need to do. And then hearing one of them you know, like actually have to follow through with it because I I think that would be really interesting. I would just be so nervous that it would miss the mark because we see so many people like on a reunion get asked about things and they kind of glaze over a fake apology and then it's like, okay, so that's it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like I want that like in the, in the confessionals, like I would love to see like them being like Stassi, why did you do that? Can you atone to this? What are you doing? Like, really hold them accountable. Then if they do that with with Kristen and Stassi, you have to hold Jax and Brittany accountable for all their transphobic and homophobic bullshit. Hold um, Katie and Tom for their abusive, toxic relationship. Because, like, that is an abusive relationship between um, Schwartz and Katie. I mean, it is there's no way other way to put it. It's like, hold them all accountable for all their stuff. And, I mean... Lala, I mean, you could you could kind of do it with Lala too. I mean, and James Kennedy, I feel like he's already done it himself, but there is still stuff. I mean, he's still, you know, he can still be a mess, but I feel like it would be just very cathartic and we would be watching this and actually seeing people getting like, you know, their asses handed to them. And it's it would help us figure out where to put these people, what context to do, and kind of like how to deal with this situation. Because I feel like it just was fired and then it was gone and we're like, what and we to go watch her horrible interview with um that I forget the lady's name. Cameron it, Hall. Yes, and see that which was all PR. Where if it was the more reality show, you would have got more of the moments of them like really figuring it out. Because I think there's there's a lot to be seen of watching people figure stuff out like that, like in real time, like that. Yeah, and I think having more of those real conversations of like when she's talking to her parents or talking to her friends or talking to you know. If she's being filmed, like, can she say to them, I didn't do anything. What are, why are they so mad at me? If she does, then we're all like, fuck you. You're still not learning, but we're going to, you know, move on from them. They won't mm-hmm. be back next season if we have a new season, but I think it's coming back. I think we've got, I she- think it is Sheena. It seems like Katie and Tom and Ariana will all be the, you know, both Toms mm-hmm. will be back. Charlie. I'm interested to see if Danica oh, I comes Danica. back. Oh, I love Danica. When that bitch had the blow and go, I was like, why is she not on? Why is she not on every second, every scene? I'm like, that is the Vanderpump Rules stuff. Her blow and go and her cracked iPhone. I'm like, that is why I watch Vanderpump Rules. You know, her fighting with the one person. I'm like, yes, that was the only time last season I got that like that Vanderpump like meth jolt that. I love. <laughs> yeah, you get that like tingly feeling that you got season one when you met the people yes. that were going to be the OGs. And now they don't have mm-hmm. that same fire anymore. So it's nice to see kind of like the new generation. So, oh, yes. So, speaking of new generations, we've had a wonderful new franchise, Salt Lake City, oh, on our yes. screens. And so we had the reunion last night. And I need to know what you think about the reunion looks. What are your thoughts? Okay. All right. Well, I, I made a whole list because there's like, I, um, so when I worked at, when I was at Towson, I worked in a costume shop. So I know a lot about like costuming and like, I know a lot about fashion and whatnot. I know just, I will say right off the bat, Meredith, they contoured her boobs and I'm a drag queen. I do that occasionally, like just to kind of give me more, like if I have like you know, I do have my, my like pushed up on, but I will kind of put powder and a little bit of contour in there. Whoever decided to do that, it was probably Brooks, like doing his thing. He probably just saw a drag queen do it. It was like, mom, try this. It just, it was so overly contoured. And it's something that like, I don't think a normal person would really pick up on, but I kept looking at it. I'm like, there's, it's too dark. It just, if you watch it, you'll see like, it's like a dark brown, like, like crease, almost like one of those elementary school birds like on her cleavage and then the dress I'd like the dress but the the problem I have with Meredith is she's very runway high fashion the clothes she wears has the theatrics for a runway fashion show not really for Park City Utah where she lives and she wears it I'm like I can see it it's fashionable but 
realistically, you're not in you're not in Bryant Park in New York or you're not in Beverly Hills. Like that stuff, Dorit can pull pull off some of that stuff. I don't think she can. Yeah, I don't know. There's always something missing with her. I do prefer her hair shorter. I liked I the shorter hair. I thought it looked really good. And now, you know, nobody can confuse her and Lisa because their <laughs> hair is so different. I actually felt like they looked better than they did in pictures on the screen. Like with the movement, everybody kind of looked better. I thought Whitney was like a 10 out of 10. I I loved her look. I love Whitney. Me too. And honestly, Heather, I didn't like her dress when I saw it, but on the reunion, I thought she looked nice. It must be sitting down. It just looks better. Because when she, when I looked at it, it reminded me of a dress Kim Kardashian wore for the Met Gala a few years ago. I kept looking at it and I was kind of like, it's not a reunion look. And I'm like, I wouldn't wear that. I just, I didn't think it went with her body type. It didn't go. It just wasn't flattering. And I'm like, I would have liked to have her. I want to see her in like big, like, puppy stuff because like I feel like she can really pull that stuff off well and I just I think it would be a little bit more flattering on her and just it make her look it would elevate her to be actually be a housewife in a way even though she already is a housewife and she does pull it off there's just little tweaking I think she needs to do I think she'll have a glow up for season two I think they all will kind of like come into their own and and figure it out I liked Mary's look but I did not like her eyeshadow. There was just I didn't something either. about it that I just didn't enjoy. Yeah. And with, I didn't like the two colors. I thought that they, she should have done more of like one, the darker color as the cut crease. And then the, um, the lighter color as like her actual, like the highlight of her eyes. And I will tell about her hair situation. She's like 90% there with it, with like her wigs and stuff. Like I just noticed there's little details that I'm like, I feel like once she sees herself on camera, it'll, she'll be like a 10 out of 10, but it's just, it's that 90% she's at now. And it's like that other 10%. It's like, just get a drag queen in there. Get, you know, if you need to hire me, message me. I trust me. I, I, I know how to do wigs. I will make you look good, but she's going to, Mary's going to have a season two glow up like Karen Huger for sure. I hope to God she comes back. She, to me was the MVP of this reunion. I liked that. She acknowledged that her wig game needed some work. She also just had some funny one-liners. Like when she turned to Jen and said, I don't want to be friends with you. I was like, yes, thank you, Mary. (laughs) I loved it. So straightforward. And then when Jen started talking to her making a comment about something she was saying. And then she was like, nobody's talking to you. I'm like, yes, I love Mary because she's so direct. And it even made Jen laugh. Like Jen like laughed at that comment because it was just so out of nowhere. Like, nope, nobody's talking to you. I was like, thank you, Mary. She finally was like, I'm here. I'm out of my literal closet and I am at the reunion. Oh yeah. Out of her closet with the thermostat set to 81 degrees. I don't know if you caught that a few episodes ago. I saw that I was like, like I'm a hot blooded person and I like it cold. And I saw that. I'm like, that's expensive. I'm like, I would, I would die and probably faint in that room. I, I did like, not oh notice goodness. that. That makes me think she's if like a go, demon spawn or something. Yes, I mean, if you look at it, they, they're showing her and you can clearly see the digital thermometer and it said 81 degrees. I'm like, I would, if I was a cameraman, I would show up in shorts and probably be like profusely sweating. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of heat, I kind of expected Jen to be in the hot seat at this reunion, but that is, that is not what we've got so far. And I guess we're focusing more on like the early part of the season mm-hmm. right now, but there was just so much conflict. So I have like so many things that I want to talk about. I want to know where you stand with Heather versus Lisa. Well, I'm team Lisa all the way. I like, I love Lisa Barlow. I love it everything about her she just she she reminds me of like an, an elevated drita from mob wives oh, which yeah. drita like you know love but she just has that energy and i just think she's a boss bitch she's confident and with her and heather i kind of like i don't know i'm just i'm team lisa it seems like i just heather i'm still figuring her out to really i don't know i haven't tell if i like her or dislike her yet hmm. if that makes sense it's it's interesting because I liked Heather all season, but after watching the reunion, I still like Heather. Don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of feeling more same uh, feelings that you're feeling about being more on team Lisa with this argument. I like them both, but to me, it seems like Lisa hit the nail on the head when she said that 
Heather had a wall up about her really early on. So she couldn't even break through. And I think, I think that Lisa kind of had the first punch through the first punch when she said that she didn't remember her, but I don't actually know that that, I don't know that that should have created the conflict for the whole season. I feel like it was kind yes. of a dig. It was kind of shady. It was kind of Lisa being like, I'm better than other, oh, I don't even remember her. But as soon as that happened, then Heather would not let Lisa in. And like, I think yeah. that her insecurities got the best of her. And I think, yeah, I'm more team Lisa like you. Cause that's, it's like, you know, she probably was, I mean, she probably was a good time girl. And I mean, like, I think Lisa's also a good time girl. It's like, I feel like everyone is like that. And I do in a way, I feel like Lisa is being a little judgy. It seems like with some of this stuff, like I know Whitney called it out that Lisa is a bit judgy and I could see that. I mean, I know people like her and they can be judgy and it's just, I could see that. But then at the same time, I'm like, I just, I stand Lisa Barlow so much. I mean, I don't mind her being judgy as a person. Yeah. I guess if I were on the cast, I wouldn't like her judging me, but I, I like her being judgy because it, it creates conflict and it creates funny yes. confessionals. And I like her one, little one-liners, but I'm curious to hear what you think. So it seems like Lisa looks down on the rest of the cast in terms of morality and like ethics issues and things like that. So, but I'm wondering if there were someone on the cast that was like truly Mormon, like not a tequila company owner, like not Mormon 2.0, very active in the church and was like a traditional Mormon. Do you think that Lisa would act differently? I think she would. Oh yes. I think she I feel like that Drita energy would come out more and she would be like, I don't know why you're judging me. It's Vita tequila. I, I, I make money. I'm a boss bitch. Like I ha I can do a Lisa impression. I just somehow it's like, I'd be like, love that. Love that. Vita tequila. Like, you know, like I could see her like definitely like being like feeling judged from them. Like I can see that if there was another housewife that was fully Mormon, I could see her calling out being judgy like uh, in a, like the first step but yeah, and when someone does it to her I could see her playing the high ground but I feel like that's what makes her a good housewife yeah totally like I feel like she would be a hypocrite which is fine oh, yeah. like I like oh yeah to which I'm it. you know Hippocratic party I I love it <laughs> <laughs> so what about Jen and Meredith there were some there were some conflicting stories about who was the most drunk on the high kick night what made Brooke so angry so where do you stand with that story who do you believe Meredith or I, Jen? I think that Jen, I think she has studied the housewives. I think she reminds me of a lot of Leanne Lockin. I know Leanne Lockin, problematic as she is, like I would always turn Leanne Lockin monologues into scene study from her theater classes. I think she studied Leanne and she's becoming Leanne on Salt Lake City. So she's trying too hard. And it's like, it's coming across that way. And it's like, I just don't, it does, it's not connecting. Like, I just, I wrote an article about that because all the stuff that Jen has done, other housewives have done. And I can point, like you threw the, like she threw the glass randomly. Teresa Judice has done that, you know, is being open about like her mental health in the way that Leanne was. She has Leanne's melodramaticness and her like craziness to her and it's just I feel like she has studied it so much that I feel like she's like the new breed of housewife that grew up with the housewives like if, I'm trying to think in a another sense like on drag race there was a point where the queens coming on drag race had st only studied the show and that's what started them into drag so you started seeing like them knowing how to play the game because that's the only drag they had. I feel like that is happening now with housewives because they are watching, you know, we, they've been on for 15 plus years. So I think they're, they're watching it. So it's like now they're trying almost too hard. I've had an issue with that most of this season. It just felt like it was very put on. And even since, since they've been done filming, just the way that she handles social media, I don't yeah. really enjoy. I will say that I think she probably deep down is a really you know, caring person. And she's probably a really kind person. I just think that the season didn't go the way that she thought. I think she thought she was going to be the queen bee MVP and it's just not yeah. landing. And I think Meredith, yeah. I think her issue with Meredith is that Meredith isn't giving her the, like the conflict that she wants. 
Like Meredith is just like, I'm yeah, just Meredith is disengaging. I'm, I'm, dis- I'm disengaging. But Meredith, I'm disengaging. I, don't, I don't believe her either. <laughs> I don't believe Meredith. Like her her story about the high kick night and what made Brooke so angry and stuff. Like yeah. I could see Meredith being super embarrassed by being wasted and embarrassed that she acted like however she acted in front of her kids. And she's just blaming Jen like she's a bad influence. It's like you're whole 50 years old. Like it's not Jen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I could see, I could see Jen. You know, I, I feel like she's on like med- like mental health medicine that she shouldn't be drinking with. And I feel like mm-hmm. there could have been that mixture. Allegedly, there could have been that mixture involved. I could see that happening. And then I didn't like when she like, like cigarette shamed Meredith. Yeah, called her <laughs> so, out. Like, yes. And then I liked how Meredith was like, I enjoy a cigarette. I, you know what I mean? Because it, it's like, I, I didn't like that because I felt like, I feel like she did that as like a dig and it's it just didn't land. And I'm like, just stop. <laughs> I felt like too, she did bring that up almost in a way to paint Meredith as different than how she portrays herself on the show. And, and then when she, when Meredith was like, you filmed me smoking and she's like, why would I do that? And Mary's like, but you're, you just brought it up on TV. So why wouldn't you film her? Like you're the person who just outed her on TV for smoking. That sounds like the same person who would take a picture or a video for like blackmail purposes. It's just like, it's, oh, yeah. too, it's just way too much. I don't know. I know from the very beginning, I even said, that, I was like, they all have smokers voice. So I could always tell that Meredith and Lisa, especially, I'm like, oh, they're chain smoking. I'm like, they come on and Lisa's like, hi, I'm Lisa. I'm like, I know that voice. Like I'm a former smoker. Like I I know what that is like. She's like, I love that. I need a 44 ounce I Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I want Taco Bell. <laughs> and then I feel like part of that was just Brooks being his like annoying self, just trying to be like, you know, the sixth housewife. And I Brooks in itself, like he pisses me off. Like I have been around gays like him. Like they've come to my shows when I performed. They're the, they're the gays that say they love drag do not support local drag and only come when like a RuPaul drag race girl is there. And then they just are nasty. And then I love the fact that he's trying to say he didn't get his lips done. I'm like, really? Okay. I can see. uh, Yeah, I can see that. I haven't seen a before after comparison, but just thinking in my mind about his face, I could see that (laughs) allegedly being something he did. Oh yeah. So tell me more about your experience as a drag performer, you're from the Baltimore area. I get a lot, I have a lot of listeners that are from this area. So like when things start opening back up, can you talk a little bit about like, where do you perform? Like, where can people check you out in the future when okay, things go so, back to normal? Um, I know that a lot of the, like, I know Grand Central just shut down in Baltimore. Um, that's a place we would, I would frequent. I also performed at town in DC, towns closed down. A lot of the um, the queer bars, sadly have been like shutting down. I mean, I think Central just got bulldozed in Damn. December. So it when it, so things start coming back, I still don't fully know where I'm going to be performing at, but I definitely, like if you follow me on social media, I post on there. But I know I have met like multiple Potomac housewives at my shows, like when, at town and whatnot, because they are all huge drag supporters, like Monique, especially on her drag queen video. She actually had two local uh, DC queens in the video. So I, I know one of that. them, which I saw that and um, which I thought it was very cool. I know um, I'm really good friends with a drag performer named Washington Heights and um, her drag mom, Brooklyn Heights was actually in uh, Monique's video. So I thought that was very, and there was, um, I forget, I, her name is escaping me. I know it's going to sound bad, but I know there's another queen that was in there too. So I kind of like that they always support that. And like, I've met Monique, I've met Candace. Um, I've met Sharice. I got her drunk and we got her rapping one time. And um, which, so that was fun. And I know I've had a Karen and Giselle sighting. There used to be this pizza place right outside town. So you would leave town and it'd be all the gays lining up to get pizza. And, you know, Karen and Giselle were in there getting pizza one time. Of course, they both got two large pizzas and then got in an Escalade and went off to back to Potomac. Oh my so God. like I've had inter- I've had run-ins with them, but I know I have my YouTube on there where I kind of do like my improv stuff. But for right now, just with all like this, just how shut down theater is and shut down like all the queer spaces are. And I, I don't fully know where I'm going to be performing at, which it's kind of been a weird anxiety thing, but at the same time, it's like, I will always find a way. Like I'm very scrappy. 
a lot of us drag queens are, we will be performing again. <laughs> yes, you definitely will. And now it gives you a chance to focus on other projects like your book that's coming out and the Housewives yes. um, articles that you write for the Champagne and Shade gossip blog. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like talk to us about the blog and your book that's coming out. Okay, so Champagne and Shade, it's a Real Housewives gossip blog. I try to come at it um, like using my theater side. So I theatrically study reality TV. So I really look at it from like a producer side and kind of what's going on. Like if you were watching theater, like through the TV, if these shows were like a live stage, that's kind of how I dissect and analyze that. And that's kind of how I write about, I normally write about stuff with production, like stuff with the production companies. Cause I can tell when they're manipulating stuff. I can tell when, you know, they're, they're trying to produce it. I know that I'm very annoyed with um, Evolution, who does Beverly Hills, Vanderpump Rules, and Orange County, to almost to the point where I think they're dropping the ball and Bravo really should start looking at other production companies. Because it's just the last few seasons of all those shows have just been horrendous. Yeah. Like I just said, I did an article about that. And then, like, you know, I know Shed Media that does New York and Salt Lake City, they're like, can they take over? Like, I would love that. Um, and then my book, so it's hashtag rockstar life, diary of Zenobia darling, uh, punk rock drag superstar. It's, it's basically the diary of Zenobia from September, 2019 to May, 2020. You know, I was performing, I did a show at the Kenny center from like a thousand people during that. I had to fly to LA for an art show. At the same time, I was like chasing boys. You know, I was managing my PTSD. I was writing my thesis about and doing other research for, um, you know, my for Van, on Vanderpump and saw and um, Beverly Hills and everything. So all of that's in there. If you love reality shows, definitely check out my book. It, it's on Amazon. It drops March eighth. So I'm gonna have it both in an ebook and an actual physical book because I just like a physical book. I'm kind of that John Waters person where like books are cool. And if I go home with someone that don't have books, I'm not fucking them. That's kind of that's like his <laughs> quote. But like that's kind of how like I live. It's like I. If someone doesn't have books, I'm gonna like bye. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be on there. So that's awesome. Well, I, congratulations. That's such a huge deal. I know it's 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 like a labor of love, but it's so much work mm -hmm. that you have to put into getting a book out there. So that's really incredible. And honestly, the pandemic is absolutely awful. But if it's allowed you to work on these different projects that you maybe wouldn't have had time to do otherwise, then you know that can be kind of your your 2020 2021. Silver lining is you got to do this amazing project and now it's out there and um, I can't wait to read it. I'm going to, I'm going to set myself up for some sort of alert so that I can buy it when it comes oh, yeah. out. <laughs> March 8th, it's going to be on Amazon. So it'll Very be, it'll excited. be good. Awesome. And it, it, it has my artwork in it as well. Like I'm oh, also cool. a painter, so it has painting. And if you love like Bravo, I wrote it like it's a theatrical reality show, if that makes sense. So. Well, I loved reading your thesis. So honestly, I just can't wait for the continuation of that to be able to see even an inside look into the thesis writing aspect in your book. So that's awesome. Can you tell everyone what is your Instagram handle? What's your YouTube page? Where can they find you if you're on Twitter, Facebook, et cetera? Okay, so Instagram, Twitter, it's Zenobia Darling, Z-E-N-O-B-I-A-D-A-R-L-I-N-G. Um, just Google Zenobia Darling, it all comes up there. Um, and then I think my YouTube Zenobia, um, it is very like, I'm very John Watersy, but Zenobia is like a real housewives of Baltimore. So it's a little vulgar. It's my stand up stuff, but it's funny. It's good. I shot it in my living room, like, like where at my grandmother's house in Happy Grace, like where I'm from. So it's definitely, it's like a return back to like, what got me started doing drag because I was always that nine, 10 year old kid with the video camera on like the back porch. So I kind of like returned back to that for that thing because I wanted to still keep my skills sharp for stand up. So I was like, let's just go back to basics. So that was kind of like my quarantine project. It's on there. And I have a few, I was in a few virtual shows over the summer and those performances are on my YouTube. So, and then check That's out Champagne awesome. and Shade. So I normally post about once a week on there an article. So just something about Bravo. So. That's awesome. Well, I'm so, I'm so glad that you came on. I'm glad we got to do this. I've been looking forward to this for so long, ever since I read your thesis and you're amazing and I love your takes. So thank you so much for coming on. This was like the oh, best, thank you. the best Friday happy hour time.
Oh, yes. And I love your podcast. It's so cool. I've been listening for a while. And it's like you, Mandy, and like Laura, Marie Shane, like stuff podcasts are like my three like ones that, you know, are my favorite that I always listen to when I run. So it, I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. Like I, I love, this is my favorite part is being able to actually talk to other people and like meeting people through the podcast, mm -hmm. you know, getting DMS from people saying, Oh, I heard you talk about this. And then, and then becoming friends with people online. Yeah. I think it's so cool. And you know, when 2020, uh, 2021, you know, finally becomes a little bit more normal, we have to meet up in Baltimore because we're, oh, yes. we probably live like 45 minutes away from each other. Maximum. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. I think that, you know how like Ryan Bailey was saying that they, that they want to do like a Buco to Beppo room thing. Yeah. I think we should do one in Maryland at the winery that Candace and Monique fought at. And if we do that, everyone meets up all the DMV podcasters. I'll come into read drag. So, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, do you follow Donnie, the real uh, Donnie Wood from Know That yes. Pod? Okay. I just started. I, yes. Yes. He's been talking I want to be on his that. podcast. So tell him to message me. Oh my gosh. Okay. I will talk to him. Um, he'll probably, you know, I'll send him our episode too, but he's been talking about doing something at the winery. So, yeah. I mean, it's I will come into read drag. Like, so. Three years ago, uh, my best friend had, um, it was his birthday dinner and I was, and he loves Dorit and I love Dorit. Just, she's one of my favorite housewives. And I did full Dorit drag. I had the white, the white long like shirt dress with the, with the boots, the hair and everything. I walked in with her accent. So I'll, yeah, I'll turn up for that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I'm manifesting that we can do it this summer. I think with the current vaccination rate, we might be able to get something together for like August. I'm hoping, Yeah, I'm hoping, but well, thank you yeah. so much. This has been so much fun. Well, I really you. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to it's all happening. Remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a five-star review. If you have nothing nice to say, my DMs are always open. Please follow me on Instagram at It's All Happening X and on Twitter at Happening underscore pod. Until next time. <laughs>